listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. I'm your host, Trish Gloss. Leslie Sabraco on the podcast today. She's the host of 100 Days, Drinks, Dishes, and Destinations. Also, Check Please Bay Area. She's been doing that show for the last several years. I've interviewed this fabulous woman before, actually last year, right around this time. It's episode 126, if you want to go listen to it. In that interview, we really talked about Leslie who she is, where she's from, and how she, at some point, took her passion and turned it into a career. She said she looked at what she really loved and what she was really good at and intersected the two. So in this interview, I wanted to talk about what keeps her motivated with those passions, what keeps pushing her forward. So she has some advice for all of us. She also talks about what's coming up next this year and how really we all should find time for the magic. Here's Leslie Sabraco. Hi. You know, it's been a year since I talked to you last. March. I believe that. I, it was last I March. That. It was last March. That's episode 126, everybody, with Leslie Sabraco. So um, happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, right. It's I can't believe it's already been a year, but yeah, it's it's gone fast, man. Mm-hmm. My, my background looks a little different than the last time I saw you because I was I actually had a job then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you do have a job now. It's just a different job. You know, um, I didn't tell you this at the time because I I knew I was leaving uh, KTVL, my my station that I worked at for 19 and a half years. Um, I knew I was leaving when I interviewed you. And there was a, I totally had a plan in talking to you because reading up on you, you, you found your passion in life and you just went for it. And you said, I want to do this. And then you did it. And then you said, I want to have a show. And then you did it. And then it was, I want to do this. And then you did it. And so I just said, okay, I have this idea, this plan that I'm going to leave this job after 19 and a half years. Um, I think I need to talk to Leslie Sobraco because <laughs> she sounds real, Well, I'm real honored. Smart. I'm honored that you think that. So how's it been going then the last year? You, you know, know? Um, it's, I left in September. I've been doing the, this podcast and having good luck with it. I keep saying, people keep saying yes to me. So that's, there's that, right? Um, I was just editing the podcast interview that's supposed to go up tomorrow and I'm really, I'm loving it because it's conversations and a a lot of them are conversations with women and just strong, high powered, motivated women. And I thought about you, um, because I have been talking to a lot of just really badass chicks in the last few weeks. And I thought about you based on, again, your path. Um, and for those of you, I want to give you a quick introduction. Um, you're the host, 100 Days, Drinks, Dishes, and Destinations um, on, on PBS. And if, if people want to see where it is, they really just have to go look and see where it, what time it comes on. Correct. We're on 300 stations right now airing across the country in Canada. And so um, it's most likely in, in you know, viewers markets yeah. and they just have to check. Sometimes we're on uh, the network of PBS called Create TV, mm-hmm. which um, is sort of their channel that has home projects and travel and food and lifestyle. Uh, it's a lifestyle sort of uh, network. It's still on the P- same PBS station, but it would be called Create. So, mm-hmm. so again, just keep your eye out on your PBS station for 100 days. It it should be it should be on there. Where I, I, I'm constantly getting emails from people saying, or or Instagram messages or something saying, we just watched your episode on Budapest or mm-hmm. or tequila, and so it's airing a lot out there. Hopefully, we'll get out shooting again soon. <laughs> Fantastic. You've also um, you host a show, Check Please, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, you've been, have you been shooting that recently? You know, it's interesting because uh, it's called Check Please Bay Area. It's, um, it's been on air for 16 years, believe it or not. I was just a babe when we started. Not, but, you know, <laughs> a baby. I, like, I like to tell myself that. Um, and, you know, it's actually, we've been, we've been on so long and we're kind of an institution in the Bay Area, uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And um, we, a number of years ago, launched a kid's version of the show. And, you know, it was really sobering when kids would come in and say, I've watched you my whole life. <laughs> Ugh, no, thank you. I said, oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. I know that's really nice. But, okay. Um, I can actually so top that. I can top that. <laughs> People who look my age go, oh, I grew up watching you. I know. Oh, I'm you're going, get out of here. Gross. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Anyways, uh, check please. So Bay Area. these are you know ten and twelve year olds, so I can I can live with that. But um, but so we we did shoot last year in 2021. We did sort of a hybrid version of the show because normally the show is three guests have recommended their favorite restaurant. The other guests go out and eat at it. We get around the table in the studio over a glass of wine and we just chat. We just talk about, you know, it's live to tape. We talk about what they ate, what their thoughts were. Um, and then we cut away to actually interviews with the chef and footage mm -hmm. of the restaurant and the dishes. And it can make you really hungry when you watch those shows, you know, yeah. it can. Um, so obviously we couldn't do all of that in, uh, we actually in 2020, believe it or not, filmed uh, the whole studio portion right before the pandemic, um, oddly enough. And so we had to scramble to get footage, but we did pull a season together in 2020. And then last year we, we did it in a hybrid version. So instead of being in studio with the guests, we were, uh, I was at a studio and we just zoomed everybody in, you know, we just, we just sort of conferenced them all in. And we did get to get to the restaurants. You know, a lot of people were masked up and we kind of shot in between surges and uh it was a challenge yeah. I, I just, a real challenge so we are getting back in the studio for a new season um next month fantastic. in mid-march that's fantastic yeah. you know the pandemic if it's taught us anything it's just taught us to evolve you can't stay put right you just have to be resilient mm -hmm. be flexible and i think there's um really no better industry to look at you know how they responded to the pandemic um than the restaurant industry i mean they've been incredibly yes. hard hit i know you know people that have have many people whose restaurants have closed who um you know who who couldn't for various reasons whether they didn't have outdoor spaces or whether it was cash flow or staffing just couldn't make it work so it's sad to see those stories mm -hmm. um but you know it's also heartwarming to see the stories of restaurants and chefs that have found a way to make it work, yep. you know, have been crazy resilient and, you know, built parklets and built outdoor spaces and um, develop their takeout business and have cocktails to go. And, you know, and um, I think right now it's just a staffing issue has really been the hard, hardest hit for those yeah. restaurants that have made it. If now we've got staffing issues. If it's not one thing, it's another. And like you mentioned, those restaurants who have never had a takeout program mm -hmm. came up with one real fast to survive. Yep, absolutely. And so you see 
you know, you see all these stories and it's kind of a lens into what the pandemic has done across the board, but it really, you know, it's still, restaurants are still reeling from, from it. And um, not that other businesses and other industries aren't, um, but the hospitality industry certainly has been incredibly hard hit by it. So, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully things are opening up and that's all indications that they are. Absolutely. And uh, restaurants can regain their footing. You know, Mm -hmm. I I said it before when I talked to you last time, I'm going to say it again. I swear, woman, you have the dumbest jobs. Like I am so (laughs) jealous of, of, but you, you created this world for yourself. You did it. I, you know, when people say, oh, wow. Yeah. How do I get a job like yours? I said, well, I made mine up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you can certainly do anything you want from being a gardening expert to a jewelry maker to a, you know, to anything you want these days. And I think that's part of what the pandemic has taught people. And it's part of why we've had this, um, you know, the great migration and people leaving their jobs and leaving their careers and, and creating themselves again, because, you know, everything got wiped out right. for, for so many people and and either they had no choice to start again or they did have a choice and they said i'm not happy doing what i'm doing so i now is the opportune moment to change that and i think that explains a lot of what's been going on in the workforce you know over the past two years absolutely did you ever find yourself at a crossroads where you'd been doing something for a long time or you just said i need to switch gears did you ever find yourself in that place oh Absolutely. I mean, I think in any career, if you're in it long enough, and I've been doing this 20 years, you know, Mm -hmm. if, um, you know, since I was starting to drink, right? Of course. Of course. (laughs) Again, not. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think you, you always find yourself saying, what can I do now? And I think the, again, looking back, the pandemic, of course, has been a, a terrible thing, but, but it's, it's also, there, you've got to find the silver linings in things and um, and tragedy and and you know horrible things can beget good things. And I think a lot of that happened during the during the pandemic. and and certainly, I mean, I remember when things were starting to just go crazy, like in March of 2020 in April. Yeah. And my whole business was built on, on speaking to people in person at multiple events all around the country, shooting television shows that were out interviewing people, going to restaurants, going to, you know, all of that just within a blink of an eye fell apart. And, um, and you have to pick yourself back up again and say, how do we rebuild something out of this? Again, going back to the restaurants, how they, and so many industries have had to do the same thing, but you know, it's, because I run my own business, it was up to me to say, okay, how do we make this work? And over the past two years, I've pivoted. Um, I was highlighted in an article called The Pivot Pros. Um, I've pivoted to, you know, doing so many virtual tastings and virtual events and um, and built back up a business doing that during the last couple of years. Um, so now we're getting back out to doing 
live events. I've actually got my first live event coming up this weekend Mm -hmm. in Arizona. I'm excited. I'm actually getting on a plane and going to host a wine dinner. Crazy. (laughs) I wonder what that looks like. I forgot. I forgot what it's like. I forgot. I'm I'm telling you, I've forgotten. I used to travel 125,000 miles a year. So, uh, you know, it's been quite a shock, but uh, I'll let you know once I get back. Okay. Sounds good. Get back into the groove of things. So I think, you know, you're constantly reevaluating where you are, what you're doing, how you can make things better, uh, how you can make yourself better and how you can make yourself happier, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it, because that's, ding, that's ding. what we've got, you know, you, there's sure. no, I think what we've learned during this pandemic, which I've certainly known, um, for many years, uh, because I lost my father at a very young age and my sister and you, you got to live for the moment. You, you've got to enjoy that, that time that you're spending on things. And I think that again, the pandemic brought that into focus for a lot of people. It really did. And that's so funny that you said pivot. I was doing this podcast at my old station. I had guests in person, you know, and it, it looked good and it sounded good. And then all of a sudden we couldn't do that anymore. And so for a couple of weeks, I just wallowed in my own poop basically and was just like boohoo me I can't do my podcast and then I just thought you know I can still I can talk to people over zoom or facetime or something like that and that led to talking to people all across the world because I could and so just that one little pivot just saying I'm going to navigate this way instead of just sitting here whining about it And again, that's what I, you know, I interviewed you that way. I interviewed all these different people that I learned so much over that just because of that one little change. That was it. And it's a mindset. You have to, you know, so much is in your mind and in your, your head. um, And you have to be able to mentally flex all those muscles and, and again, be resilient and say, okay, if path A didn't work for me and path B was shut by the pandemic and path C is gone now for this, you know, what does D, E, and F look like? And, and how do I accomplish that? So, you know, those are all, those are all mindsets that you just have to make that switch in your head and say, okay, I'm going to pivot. Now, how can I do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes we're forced into it. Like we have been the last couple of years and other times, um, you know, life gets in the way of us doing things and, and we have to find a way around all those roadblocks. Um, and, but ultimately I think what so many people have realized in the past few years is you've got to be happy with what you're doing on a daily basis, because if you're not, you know, life's too short to, to, to wallow in that. You, uh, you've got to try. You've got to try to. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually, um, speaking of that, you wanted to be an attorney. I mean, that was your, <laughs> right. That's what you were set out to do. And then you just, you, you know, you did, you took a left turn, a big left turn. Um, but I remember well, you- I originally, yeah, I originally in high school thought for sure. I was like the president of student council, the president of the, you know, student body, the, you know, inquire all these things all these leadership positions. And, um, you know, I was involved in student government on the state level and, and I grew up in Chicago area and, and I thought for sure that I would go to law school and then, and then be a politician. I thought that was kind of my path. And I am so glad (laughs) I have to say every day, I'm thankful I didn't go down that path. Um, sorry to all my attorney friends and, um, and politician, but I, you know, I look back at it now and I think that wouldn't have made me happy. And that's ultimately what I decided very early on. I was able to say, 
I don't really want to go to law school. And, you know, even though I thought that that was what I wanted to do, and I was certain that I was going to be the next, you know, governor of Illinois or California or, you know, um, I, I realized early on out just before I even, you know, when I graduated from college and then started to get, get out in the working world and realize I don't want to go back and go to law school, you know, and, um, but you did. What I love about your story is that you took something that you love, that you were uh, very passionate, are very passionate about. And then you took something that you were good at that was mm -hmm. making you some money kind of, I mean, I think you said like even on the side and you said, Hmm, what if I smoosh these together? And you got to find that intersection. Right. So I always encourage people when I talk to them about, you know, my journey and how I created a job that I love and that's just made up, you know, yeah, <laughs> and continuing to be made up and evolved, you know, being a, a, a wine, a food, a travel uh, writer, television host, um, you know, consultant um, and, and new projects keep coming my way because of relationships. But we can talk about that how important that is. Um, but, you know, I encourage people to say, you know, what, what do I want to do? Because not everybody has in their head, I want to be this, right? They go, I don't know. I'm just not happy right now, but maybe I want to do something different. We'll make a list of what those different things are you want to do. Some of them are very clear. Some of them might not be so clear, mm -hmm. um, but start that list and then start that other list of what you're really good at. You know, I'm, I'm skilled at, at, you know, administrative tasks. I'm skilled at, uh, I'm a people person. I'm great at speaking. Uh, uh, you know, what are the things that you are good at and enjoy doing? And start to look for the intersection of some of those things. Could I be a jewelry maker because I'm so creative and, you know, love doing that? Um, and how can I put those two pieces together mm -hmm. is the next question. So you've got to start somewhere and I'm a big list person. So I think, you know, having, <laughs> I think that's a, you know, a successful people are, are often list makers. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you've got to start somewhere and that's a, a concrete kind of suggestion for people to start. Yeah. And there's nothing more satisfying than crossing things off your list. If you know, you Absolutely. know, it feels so good. I love, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of list person that, yeah, has different highlighter colors for things. And, course. you know, I'm, I'm that kind of list person. You so know? are you weird about, are you weird about pens? Yeah, I'm weird about pens and I'm weird about, mar you know, highlighters uh -huh. and, you know, green is for tasks to get done and blue, you know, so, you know, I'm pretty, um, my husband has a joke because I have a notebook that I've had for so many years that he, that he calls the red book. It's a red leather notebook. And, and even though everything in the, all your calendars on your computer, I still make daily written handwritten notes and of lists of things. Of course. You know? Of course. Right? I'm a planner freak. I have, I have a paper planner. I have like three or four notebooks. My podcast notebook is literally a notebook. I don't do anything you know, I have stuff for my phone and, and digital, like that kind of stuff, but there's nothing like paper, pen and paper. Mm -hmm. I love it. Absolutely. And I think some people are getting back to that, you know, mm -hmm. um, and journaling and really yes. using the power of the pen and, and the power of the written word to, to make progress. I have a, a friend who started a a project called the pen to paper project where she encourages people to write letters and to journal mm -hmm. and to, 
to use the actual tactile, you know, sensation of putting a pen to paper and again, writing the list and crossing it off. There's something that you just, that gives you a joy that you can't get when it's on your computer and you're like, task done. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. Uh, you mentioned mindset. I, I was thinking about talking about you and one question I had, a burning question that I had, you're incredibly a hardworking person, you know, um, as of all the things that you've mentioned that you've been doing, I recently saw you on the today show. I mean, you've been doing stuff like that. How do you stay motivated? I I'm, I'm really curious because I think a lot of people who are as motivated and successful as you, do you have burnout moments where you just, for a couple of weeks, maybe oh, you don't want to do anything at all and you're not motivated at all. Absolutely. And again, especially during this past two years, it's been, it's been difficult to get off you know, my ass and do something sometimes. And, um, but because I think because I have such a passion for what I do, because I love talking about restaurants and, and the people who run them, I love, you know, exploring different wineries and, the, and again, the people behind them. Um, I, I love the idea of travel, you know, which again, has been difficult. Uh, obviously, we've not been doing it for a couple of years, but, but the idea of exploration and, and the fun of that. So, um, you know, I think that's the motivator for me is that it's a, there's subject matters that I really care about and I'm really, and I get excited about. So ultimately that ends up, you know, manifesting itself in, in motivation, in getting, getting you off the chair to say, okay, I don't know how to accomplish this. Like when I started um, 100 days drinks, dishes and destinations, it, it was, so much hard work and you mentioned hard work there is no substitute for hard work nope. there just isn't no nope. putting in the time putting in the hours you know i always say if you fail to prepare prepare to fail right so you got to be so much more prepared than the next person um you gotta do the work do the legwork do the research do the do the hard stuff and um you know i wanted to do this travel show and people would always say you know as i would take wine trips or as i would take travel trips and food trips Oh, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. So I started tour groups and bringing people with me. And then I thought I've got to bring a camera crew to do this, you know, but I'd already been on PBS, but now we were talking about a national show. And now we were talking about raising all the money for this. And now we're talking. And so I started it from scratch. I mean, I raised all the money. I, I, you know, worked with my long standing producer to get to all the PBS stations to, we just figured it out. You know, you don't have to know everything when you have a dream and when you start something, your job is to figure it out along the way. And, uh, you know, and, and again, that takes hard work and that takes dedication and that takes a lot of tears sometimes and right. a lot of, I don't want to do this right. anymore. I'm tired. <laughs> no, for sure. I've also found too, um, asking for help. It's hard, mm -hmm. but if you, I, I find, especially cause you mentioned relationships, the relationships that I've created, even the ones that I haven't, if I just reach out and ask for help or just say, hey, you know, can you help me with this? Or do you know someone who could help me with this? People are willing to help you. They really are. Absolutely. And it's and it's interesting. I find myself now in a position of mentorship, you know, mm -hmm. of where I can help people and 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 women getting into the industry and, um, you know, and again, the, the kids on the TV show that I was talking about, my check please show that said, I've watched you my whole life. And, you know, I love, um, you know, giving advice to people and, and helping. Yeah. I think people underestimate the power of help and, and the power of, of what 
somebody in a position you want to be in, if you just sometimes ask them, you know, yeah. all they can say is no, you exactly. know, <laughs> but a lot of times they'll say, yeah, that sounds really, you know, interesting. I'd be happy to help. Absolutely. Yeah. And then let's talk about relationships, because I know I am definitely seeing that now um, after I've sort of gotten out of the industry that I was in for so long that the relationships that I've built over the last almost two decades are really not only helping me, but I'm finding different projects out of those. So building relationships, good relationships with people is huge. That whole burning bridges thing. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't do that because relationships is what further your career mm -hmm. and, and you have to nurture them and you have to, I think now, I, you know, I'm just referred to people. Oh, you know, one client tells another client, she does great events, you know, blah, blah, blah. your, your name gets circulated and because you do a good job yep. because you put in the work, because you do an excellent job, because you dot all your I's and cross all your T's and you make sure that people are happy with the work you've done and you create a relationship with them. And I think, um, and, and, and you have to be a nice person, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I'm at the point in my career where I don't work with anybody. I don't want to, because, you know, because it's just not worth it to me. Um, you really have to, to, find you know the the kindness in what you're doing in business and create that relationship and that link because that's what's going to further your career mm -hmm. yeah kindness is huge i mean yeah if you're a jerk even if it's going to come back to bite you at some point it I, is you hope <laughs> yeah no it, it truly it truly is and i think that's uh reputation is huge too you know if you if you do a job if you do a project and you and you do a good job on it um, even if you don't hear anything from those people again, it's still going to carry on, right? Because someone's going to say, oh, yeah, she did a good job for us. And then that's going to. And it comes back years later. I just got an email from a person who I worked with maybe five or six years ago, and she moved to another company, a big company that we would all know. And um, I got a random email from her that said, I'm at this new big company um, you know, in an event management role and, you know, want to hire you for a series of projects. And she just kept my name on file. And, you know, because I'd done a good job, it can be years. So, you know, that's, that's what you've got to cultivate. And that's what you've got to keep in your mind is how important those relationships are. Um, because that's how you build, you know, the tree of your career is really is creating all those relationships and all those branches that you can tap into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and tap in, during hard times. I mean, luckily I'd had a stable of clients previous to the pandemic that allowed me to say to those clients, okay, we can't do this event in person, but let's switch it to virtual. And here's my portfolio of products that I've developed, you know, for virtual tastings and uh, virtual events. And, and they were loyal clients. So, you know, again, you've got to be creative in the way that you approach things. Right. And as we were saying earlier, you have to be able to transition and evolve and navigate and, and go with the flow a little bit. Yeah. I mean, again, it's been, it's been really hard and you have to reinvent yourself and you have to figure it out each time. I mean, I'm constantly reinventing myself. I'm constantly, you know, saying what's next, what's next. And if you don't, you know, people are afraid of that. I get it. People are really afraid of it. And, um, and rightly so in many cases, you know, I, I can't afford to pursue my dream because I've got two kids. I've got a job. I've got, you know, I've got to pay rent. I've got to pay my mortgage. Um, 
so you got to have a plan in place to say, okay, this is my daytime job. This is what I want to do. How can I further my passion and then ultimately make the transition? But I think, um, you know, you have to, you have to really be focused on how can I make that dream come true? And, and, you know, how can, even though I have that fear that in the pit of my stomach, even though I get those, you know, nervous butterflies, that's okay. A lot of times that's good. That pushes you, um, Fuel. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's the fuel. That's what fuels the fire. Um, but you're right. It is scary. And especially those who have, like we've talked about, had that job for whatever, 19 years, and then they decide to leave it. They leave a steady paycheck. You do wake up at two o'clock in the morning and go, what the hell am I doing? I'm freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's scary and it's, and it's even scary. You know, I, again, I work for myself. So the buck stops here, you know, <laughs> yep. boss. Um, and it is nerve wracking. Um, but again, if you're, if you're doing something that you're really passionate about, that you really enjoy, that you're excited about getting up in the morning and, and doing it, then, you know, that's worth the, the fear and the, and the worry, mm-hmm. but you have to weigh it. Everybody has to weigh it. I mean, there is, there are times I'd go, man, it would be nice to just roll out of bed, go to a job and get, get a regular paycheck. Right. Um, but I don't know, that's not, I don't know that that's, that's ever going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. Again yeah. in my life. Um, so. you, you said what's next, what, what is next for you? What's going on? What are you working on these days? You know, I think, um, getting back to, getting back to filming hundred days, we completed one season, which is 13 shows. And we shot all over the world. We shot in Budapest. We shot in San Francisco. We shot in Asheville, North Carolina. I or in North Carolina. We shot in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We shot in Tequila, Mexico, and Guadalajara, um, uh, Normandy, France. So, so our first season was all over the world. And you know, I want to get this next season back going. And it might just all be domestic um, at this point. So my focus is on on shooting my check please shows, my local shows on PBS um, and getting that back up and running, uh, which we're doing immediately. And then getting, and then getting back to the, to my travel bug. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous about traveling again, you know, it's like, and, and shooting, there's a lot to be involved as you know, Trish, with shooting something. And especially during all these pandemic protocols and interviewing people in person and going to places um, it's, it's doubly, triply complicated now um so my focus is on on actually getting out getting the funding and getting shooting again for another season Mm -hmm. uh we built we built everything and it's just been in a holding pattern you know um because we we finished editing all the shows right before the pandemic started and getting them on so um so that's what i'm focused on and maybe a new book woohoo just a few things (laughs) Just, just a, a few things. Just a few things on my plate. And getting my son, getting my son off to college. Uh, we're going to be empty nesters. So, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Are you excited? Or are you nervous? No, no, I'm sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm excited for him, but right. you know, um, yeah, so. it, it is weird when, yeah, it is weird when you send them off to school and then their room is like empty. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Fun. So, although I get to get new carpet, that's the good thing, you know, <laughs> I can get new carpet. <laughs> so, I love that. 
Um, things to look forward to. <laughs> of course, all you always have to have something to look forward to. Uh, with 100 days, is there any any destination that's really on your list, like top of your list? Oh, well, there's lots that are on top of my list that are probably not going to happen this year. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to shoot in Japan. I'd love to, um, uh, you know, do Japanese cuisine, Japanese whiskey. There's actually a burgeoning Japanese wine industry. Yep. Um, I, and such amazing history. Um, I'd love maybe to shoot, you know, uh, not on the same, well, maybe on the same trip in, in South Korea. I'd love to shoot down in Argentina and Uruguay. Um, so, and Chile, there are so many amazing places to go. One of the best trips of my life was we got to go, um, with a group of winemakers on a, we, uh, the wines of Chile had, had booked an entire ship. It was a small ship, obviously very small. Um, but, uh, they brought along winemakers and writers and consultants and buyers and things like that to tour Patagonia. Um, oh. and so, oh, it was fantastic, you know, seeing the glaciers and the, oh, it, you just unbelievable. You know, we watched glaciers calving and then would have, you know, a drink with the glacial ice and, um, Stop. you know, that was just amazing, amazing. It'd be lovely to get a camera down there to do that, but we'll see. But I, I think I'm really going to focus on, on domestic things. There's so many beautiful areas of California to shoot, of Washington state, of Virginia, Oregon. of, Oregon, uh, Oregon, uh, Oregon. <laughs> uh, so many beautiful places. So I'm hoping that that would uh, ease us back into, you know, into 100 days. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. I know the other thing I love, I wanted to mention about the shows that are created for PBS. It is all you. There is no one really you know, there's no food network who's saying here we have we have this makeup person for you and come to the studio and shoot this show. That, that does not exist. But I do love that about PBS because you want it, you go get it and you make it happen. And, and you know what? What we do for a show is uh, I have my producer. We have a tiny crew, you know, a couple camera guys, one lighting person. And um, and we just shoot. We basically land, turn on the camera. I do my own makeup. You know, when I'm having a bad hair day, you'll see lots of hats <laughs> on the show. Um I, I pack very lightly. So, uh, you know, it's the same pair of pants and different jackets. And, um, and you know, it's a run and gun sort of situation where you really just here, stick a microphone in your face. And, and, and we do a lot of pre-production, obviously, and set things up. But, but with a small crew and with a very, you know, adroit sort of production schedule and, and team, we're able to capture those magic moments that happen when you don't plan them. Um, I remember we were, uh, we were outside of Budapest. We were filming a show on Budapest and, um, and I wanted to go to this very famous and historic wine region called Tokai, which is a couple hours uh, outside of Budapest. And so we had set up some interviews with Tokai producers and it's a tiny little town um, and, and wine area, but very beautiful. And on our, we were on our way there and we saw this incredible sight of telephone poles. It was between two villages. Um, I'd have to remember the names of them, but but this esoteric little tiny villages on our way to Tokai from Budapest. And we look up and you see big, huge nests on top of each and every telephone pole. 
And um, we ended up asking one of the people who was with us from the wineries what that was. And they said, oh, this is an area where storks actually nest. So we stopped, we pulled over the van, we got our drone out and went up to the top of the, of the stork nests and were able to film up there. And it was just this magic moment that you couldn't plan. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't see, I mean, right. again, if we had scheduled it, it wouldn't have happened. So, so that's the fun of shooting like that is that, you know, I really, I don't follow a script. <laughs> Let's just say that. Good for you. Uh, we get back in the studio and we see up, you know, we, we have a loose outline, but we get back in the studio and we see what we got and we piece together a show that way. Mm -hmm. so. But yeah, that's what makes it, that's what makes it so fun. Uh, much like the story you told me and everybody can go listen to it. Episode 126 of when you were in tequila and you guys pulled over. <laughs> And they were, there was like a little shock. And they were milking. We pulled over again. This You've got to leave time. And it's true in life. You've got to leave time for magic moments magic. to happen, you know, and true in life in general, um, you know, is, is stopping and appreciating the moment. I always say the present is the gift, you know, so you got to stop and just grab that moment. And so we were on our way to Tequila uh, from Guadalajara. Tequila is an actual town um, and, uh, and a volcano. It's named after a volcano, the Tequila Volcano. It's why the soil is this black, you know, lava looking soil that the agaves are grown in. Um, and uh, we, were, we were not running late for our appointment, but we certainly didn't have a whole lot of time on our hands. But, but we had two trucks, two little minivans with our crew in it. And we were just on the outskirts of the town of Tequila and we saw uh, a, a family kind of on the side of the road in front of their house with cows and people were lined up and they're doing something with, you know, the, the milk of the cows. Anyway, our driver told us, oh yeah, no, this is um, uh, pajarete, pajarete, which means, which is basically um, fresh cow's milk, uh, tequila, they take coffee, uh, grounds and put coffee in they add and maybe some cocoa um they add cocoa powder then they add tequila uh into this earthen mug and then they light it on fire to let the tequila off and then they walk over to the cow <laughs> and they milk the cow into the Amazing. mug and they hand it to you and mm. this is what the workers going into the fields in, te in tequila to harvest the agave were drinking as an energy drink. I mean, it's the, it's the freshest latte you would ever have, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we filmed it. We just pulled over and asked him if we could film it. And we filmed the whole process. And it was just magic. It was absolute magic. And again, we couldn't have planned for it if we had tried, you know. Always so. leave, always leave room and time for the magic. I love mm -hmm. that. I love that story. It's so good. Um, yeah. Well, I do want to I do want to wrap up a little bit because I know uh, you had to scoot out a little a little yeah. early. Um, but I have to ask you, I know this may be like picking between your favorite children, but some of your favorite wines right now that you've discovered. Oh, well, I'm a huge I just led a wine tasting actually before mm -hmm. this. Um, so you can see I'm I'm set up here. Um, I'm a huge fan of Argentinian Malbec. Well, I'm a, let me let me go back before I get to reds. 
I, I'm a huge Bubbles fan. So I, I am a, I've got a tattoo of rosé champagne on my leg. I love it. Um, I, I am so committed to, to Bubbles. Uh, so I'm a sparkling wine lover. And sparkling wine, of course, is the category. Champagne is just one of those types. But I love Prosecco from Italy. Um, cava from Spain is on my hot list now. I drink a lot of cava because it's made in the same traditional method that champagne is made. Um, and so uh, C-A-V-A, cava, it's, it's a wonderful and it's still affordable sparkling wine style um and prosecco superiore which you know people think that there's not prosecco is just everybody loves it because it's so easy to drink and it's juicy and it's fresh and it's the welcome wine um but there are some really world-class examples so you look for prosecco superiore hmm. um from a town called valdobiadne can you say valdobiadne 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 <laughs> that's right valdobiadne so okay. it's this big long <laughs> name on the bottle of of uh, Prosecco, but Prosecco Superiore Valdobiadne, um, still affordable in the, you know, 20 to $35 range, and mm -hmm. you can still get great bubbles, unbelievable world-class bubbles. Um, so sparkling wine in all forms and shapes is is certainly tops my list. Um, and then, you know, I, I love um, Malbecs for red. I'm a big Pinot Noir drinker too. Pinot Noir from around the world, and Chile is uh, having some some great success now with Pinot Noir. So we all think of Pinot Noir as coming from California or Oregon. Um, you know the Willamette Valley, fantastic, of course. Uh, California's Russian River, where I live, and uh, all sorts of beautiful areas in California. Um, but Chile is a place okay. to look for affordable Pinots from an area primarily called Casablanca. Very easy to remember. Super easy. Uh, it's right on the coast, right on the coast, and they're making great pinots out of Casablanca. Um, so, uh, so Chilean Pinot Noir, and then staying in the southern hemisphere, I'll, I'll stick with Argentinian Malbec, which is one of the wines I was leading in a tasting earlier. Um, you know, Malbec is a great variety that comes from the Bordeaux region of France and was brought in suitcases to Argentina in the late 1800s and planted, and it just took to the to the mountainous vineyards there. Um, one of the coolest things I ever did was judge the Argentina Wine Awards in the in the town of Mendoza, which sits in the shadow of the Andes. And you're at, you know, you look up and you see vineyards at 9,000 feet altitude, you know, it's crazy. Um, and, and tasting, you know, 500 Malbecs in three days. My teeth were black, I black. Bet, oh my gosh, <laughs> that sounds like a blast. Um, but but so Argentinian Malbec is still a is is a great option right now and again affordable versions out there um, and a really big beautiful rich red. Hmm. Okay. Good answer. Um, and then I have to ask: anything special for dinner tonight? You popping anything fun? I have you know, to ask. I think my daughter's coming up to visit. Um, so I think her her request is she loves. Um, like, uh, I think we're going to do a, a, a big stir fry, just kind of throw everything in lots of veggies, lots of perfect, lots of, uh, you know, uh, brown rice. I'm going to crack open some bubbles. So I think that's what we'll do tonight. Yay for bubbles. <laughs> you and I, you and I share that love. I am a, I am a bubbles fan, huge bubbles fan. I also read too, kava is, um, low and it's just low in sugar as far as an alcoholic beverage. Well, yeah, you know, most most sparkling wines are, I mean, are uh, the, the the primary, the, the nice thing about sparkling wine is it will tell you the sweetness level on the label. So um, you just have to know how to read it. So what the word you're looking for is brute, mm -hmm. B-R-U-T. Mm -hmm. And that means a dry styled sparkling wine. Um, and they, there are sweeter styles, uh, oddly enough, called off dry. 
Um, uh, so off dry would be kind of the, the lightly sweet versions of sparkling wine. A lot of Proseccos are off dry. Um, and then you have Demi Sec, which is half dry or a little sweeter still, uh, which you'll see in a lot of champagnes is a Demi Sec. And, and then a very sweet style is called Duf. Uh, D-O-U-X, but, but, you know, look for the brute style on, and most Cava's are, are that way as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really the way to go. And I'm hoping that in all things that you crave when it comes to food and drink, I'm really hoping it's still truffle potato chips and a glass of bubbles. <laughs> Absolutely. There is, or some good old French fries. Yes, ma'am. You know, greasy french fries right there next to the glass of bubbles and you've got a pairing made in heaven <laughs> that, that is what sealed our friendship forever <laughs> yeah. it uh, doesn't have to be fancy to be enjoyable no leslie thank you um i really appreciate you know i, I wanted to talk to you um I, I talked to you before about really who you are and where you're from and how you've created this life for yourself but um for this episode i really wanted to talk to you about what keeps you motivated and how you have remained successful all of these years. And I really hope that um, anybody who listens is taking notes and, and getting some good stuff out of this because um, just looking at your career, yeah, very successful. So congratulations. You know, don't, don't let fear of something dictate your life. You've gotta, you've gotta get out there and try it and give it a go and, um, and appreciate, you know, and appreciate the moment. And that's the real beauty of life. Absolutely. And I'm going to keep your voice in the back of my head as I, as I move forward. So thank you. It's really good to see you. You look fantastic and good luck with all the good stuff this year. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I hope. Bye Trish. Thank you. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Gloss. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More and Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.